And we have endured a number of rainy, cloudy, dreary days, and it seems if the weatherman is right, we may be in for a few more of those this week. But we have reason to sing and be happy because the sun, S-O-N, is shining. He is always the light of the world as he came into this world to be. We have reason to sing and be happy this morning because as we have just sung in that song, we know the promises of God, that they are true, that they are real, that they are eternal. And we have reason to sing and be happy this morning because of what we have already sung and thought about and prayed about this morning, because we have been the recipients of God's amazing love. What a beautiful, beautiful song, in my opinion, that is. To think about where we were in the early part of Romans chapter 5, that we were sinners, that we were enemies, that we were helpless in our sinful state, and yet God, in His rich grace, His amazing love, His kindness toward us through His Son, Jesus Christ, rescued us from our sin, rescued us from the domain of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of light of His dear Son. We have reason, brothers and sisters, (laughs) to sing and be happy this day and every day that we live. Our lesson this morning is especially geared toward the younger crowd here. That doesn't mean that if you don't consider yourself still to be a young person, that there is not something that will be of value as we study God's Word together this morning. That doesn't mean I hope that you don't check out on me and just say you can take a nap for the next 30, 35 minutes. Everything in God's Word from Genesis to Revelation, I think, in some way or another is applicable to us wherever we are on the spectrum of life. And so I hope that you will all listen attentively as you have always done to our study together of God's Word, but especially to the younger crowd this morning, this sermon is directed. In a September 10th, 2021 Yahoo article on teen suicide, the following words started that article off, quote, suicide is the second leading cause of death for teens and young adults. And according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, Yes, the dreaded CDC that we have all heard about the last few years. Teens are are of growing concern with rates of suicidal ideation, that's thinking about suicide, and attempts nearly twice as high compared to pre-pandemic times. ComPsych, the world's largest provider of integrated behavioral health and well-being services, has seen a double-digit increase in calls related to anxiety and depression worries with their teens. That's the way that article that I read recently began. Though there are a number of factors that are contributing to this growing Concerned, the most common cause that I can see of teen suicide in our culture today are what were just mentioned at the last part of that quote from that article, anxiety and depression. Anxiety and depression are, are real, I believe, health problems. In fact, I have struggled with those at different points in my life. It kind of seems to run in my family. And these real health problems can be hereditary. They can be genetic. And thankfully, I believe by the grace of God and the skills that he has given the medical community today, we have medications and we have treatments to help us if we are dealing with something that is a medical issue. 
But those real health problems can also be the result of our environment that just because we are living in a world that has been given to sin, and I hit the wrong button there, but a little bit early. Just because we're living in a world where sin is so prevalent, I don't think it should surprise us that we are dealing with all of the kinds of problems that we are dealing with today. These problems of anxiety and depression certainly can be problems for anyone at any age of life, in any stage, for any amount of time. But they can especially be, as this article points out to us, issues that those who are younger in age have to face. So how can young people avoid going down this road that increasingly many young people are going down, that they just get to a point in their young life at 10, 12, 14, 16, 18 years old, they say at that point, I have experienced enough. The best thing I see, the best solution to this problem that I'm dealing with right now just to end my life. How can young people enjoy the days of their youth? On the flip side of that, even if they are not remotely thinking about doing what a growing number of young people are now contemplating or in fact are doing. This morning, what we want to do is look at an admonition for youth, as I have here on the screen, from the passage that our brother Kerry read for us just a moment ago in Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 10. And I believe this passage, and we'll pull in some other scriptures this morning, but I believe as we go to the Word of God, God, because He is God, He always has an answer. For every problem, every challenge, every obstacle in our life, we always need to remember, whether we're young, middle-aged, or old, that God, through His Word, and through answering our prayers and through giving us his people to help us as we journey here in this life, God always has an answer. And I want us to think about some answers maybe that God will give to us about the questions that we have raised this morning. And so we're going to be thinking about this admonition for youth. The first thing I want you to notice as we look at this text is, has already been read for us. As I mentioned, verse 10, the writer says to us here. So remove grief and anger from your body and put away pain or from your heart and put away pain from your body because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. The first thing I want you to notice about verse 10 is what we really ought to notice about any verse that we read in scripture. That it is not a good practice for us to just read one verse wherever it is in the Bible and just pull that verse out and base our thoughts about that particular topic that is being addressed there on that one verse. It is not just given to us in isolation, is it? And so the first thing I want you to notice about verse 10 is that the wise man here, I don't believe, is introducing a new thought or concept or idea to us. He is simply continuing what he has already started. And he is expanding or expounding on the thought that he mentioned back in verse 9 where he said, there two young people rejoice. During your childhood, let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood. The sower, therefore, that begins verse 10 is obviously making a connection between these two thoughts, between these two verses, so that the rejoice command, and I believe it's a command or instruction that the wise man is giving to the younger crowd in verse 9 to rejoice in that time, that season of your life, is also the same instruction or command that he is giving in verse 10, to remove some things from your life at this point in your life. So putting these two verses together, verses 9 and 10, I believe informs the young 
about God's desire for them, yes, to enjoy their youth, that this is a great time of your life, how you can enjoy it. But also, as one writer said, trying to put these two verses together, how those who are young can rejoice responsibly in the days of their youth. So how can you do that if you are a young person? Well, I believe the wise man gives us the answer here in verse 10. He says that you need to remove, you need to put away. Young folks, there are some things that you need to avoid in your life. There are some things that you need to get rid of. You need to throw away, if you will, from your life now so that you can truly do what the wise man is instructing you to do in verse 9 so that you can rejoice in the days of your youth. You can enjoy this time, this season in your life of youth to the fullest extent that God desires that you enjoy it. God wants good things for all of us throughout our earthly life here. I'm convinced of that. But the wise man is particularly thinking about those who are beginning their lives here on earth. He wants you to enjoy your youth to the fullest extent possible. As we think about that idea of removing and putting away some things, even in this time of our life, I want to cite a couple of passages, both in First and Second Timothy this morning. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11, just an instruction that the Apostle Paul gave to the young preacher Timothy. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11, Paul writes here, he says, But flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And as you think about that instruction to connect it to what Paul wrote again to the young evangelist Timothy over in chapter 2 of Second Timothy and verse 22, he said there, now flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. In both of these passages, here is the aged apostle Paul, especially there in 2 Timothy. We, as far as I know, that's the, the last recorded uh, preserved book of of uh, Paul's life that we have in the New Testament. And Paul knows as he gets to chapter four, he's at the very end of his life, doesn't he? He knows, as he says in chapter 2 and verse 2 of 2 Timothy, that he had taught uh, Paul, Timothy, Paul had taught Timothy some truths, and he wanted Timothy to take those truths and then pass them on to other men and keep the chain going of truth and of evangelism. But here is the aged apostle Paul, and he is telling the young man Timothy that as a young man, what he needed to do was to run. He uses the term flee. <coughs> Run from worldly and sinful lusts and desires while simultaneously pursuing God. This is how you can rejoice responsibly. That there are some things, even as a young person, that you're going to have to avoid in your life. There are some things that you're going to have to get out of your life if you truly want to enjoy this time of your life to the fullest extent that God wants you to enjoy. We will talk about some particulars, some practical things here in just a moment as we kind of flesh out that thought here a little bit later on in our sermon. But to the younger crowd again this morning, I would say to you that you cannot chase after that which is good. You cannot pursue righteousness and love and faith and peace and all of those godly spiritual characteristics that are mentioned here in these two passages on the screen while hanging on to that which is bad. While hanging on to that which is evil, that which is opposed to God, you can't do both at the same time and expect that you're going to have happiness, that you're going to rejoice 
in the days of your youth. No, the wise man instructs those who are young, back in our text this morning, that you must remove those things that are harmful to you. You must remove those things that will damage you, not just here in this life, but even eternally, so that you can enjoy the good things that God desires to give you. And sometimes it can be very difficult. I mean, I, re I remember those days. It can be very difficult. Maybe you, you as a young person, maybe because your parents have been Christians and like uh, Paul writes to Timothy about his mother and grandmother, perhaps it is the case that your parents, you have been blessed by God to have parents who care about God and they have instilled God's wisdom within you. And, and you could probably quote some of those passages when you get into certain situations in your life where you have to choose the right path or the wrong path, but maybe you just don't have the wisdom yet that you need to know whether something is truly going to be beneficial for you spiritually down the road in your life or whether this is going to be something that will damage you spiritually. But as best you can at this point in your life and looking for wisdom that is available to us and those who have walked the path before us, you need to get those things out of your life that will ruin you so that you can truly enjoy the life that God desires for you to have now as a young person. What, what must you remove from your life? Well, again, going back to the text that we are Focusing on this morning from Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and in verse 12, the wise man says here, first of all, to remove grief and anger from your heart. That's the words that the New American Standard uses that I'm reading from this morning. Some other translations give some other words here. The ESV says that the wise man is, is instructing those who are young to remove vexation. We don't really use that word much today. The King James and the New King James versions use the word sorrow, to remove sorrow from your heart. The NIV says to remove anxiety. That's, that's kind of where we began the lesson this morning. All of those words, I, I believe, are good translations of what is trying to be, uh, the thought that is trying to be communicated here. He's telling young people, you, you need to remove sorrow from your heart. Your heart, that word is used throughout the Bible, isn't it? It's not talking about our physical organ inside our bodies that pumps blood throughout our bodies and keeps us alive, but he's talking about who we really are, the, the essence of who we are as people, the core of our being, that the heart is just used in, in throughout the Bible can mean different things, but it can be talking about our will. It can be talking about our intellect, our thinking process. It can be talking about us emotionally, and all of that is wrapped up into who we really are. And so he's saying to us on the inside of who we really are, we need to remove grief and anger, sorrow. We need to remove anxiety from our heart. What are some sources of sadness? What are some sources of anger? What are some sources of anxiety in those who are young? Well, I would suggest to you that it's not a whole lot different from those who may be older. But there are some sources, I think, of those kinds of things in a young person's life that may be peculiar to them in this part of their life. Here are just a few maybe that for you to think about. Maybe even you as young people have experienced these things already in your life. There may be family trouble in your family, and that just causes you a lot of sorrow as a young person. Maybe you're not responsible for that, but 
you are having to deal with that. You're having to reap the consequences of family trouble. There may be as a young person, you think your parents sometimes are overly strict. And there are some parents who can be overly strict. <laughs> you know, the Bible in giving us, especially fathers, some instruction about how we are to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord tells us not to provoke them to anger. <laughs> I don't know all of what that may entail, and it may be different from one parent to one child in different families. But the Bible is pointing out to us, fathers, there is a point to which we can just be so hard and so harsh in our children and so strict in our children that we can provoke them to anger. And that will certainly cause you as a young person to have anxiety, to have sorrow, to have maybe even anger that builds up in your heart, grief about that. But it could be on the opposite end of that that you have parents that are just too loose. And you don't know where the boundaries are. And so you as a young person, I mean, all of us need boundaries, whether we want to admit that or not. Sometimes we, we uh, cry and, and we uh, complain about boundaries in our lives. But if we didn't have boundaries, we would be totally miserable people. But it may be parents that are just too loose and let you do whatever you want to do. And you're, you're suffering as a result of how they are trying to raise you, and that has caused anxiety or sorrow in your life. Maybe that has even caused you to be angry toward your parents. You wish they would have a little bit more structure for you. Family trouble, there may, be, may have been a divorce in your family, and you as a child didn't have anything to do with that or that decision. It's just your parents, for whatever reason, in our culture today, in our world today, have just decided that there are irreconcilable differences or they're not happy or whatever the case may be. And I know from personal experience, my, my parents are divorced. Uh, I went to college at 18 years old, and a couple of months after that, my dad set me and my two brothers down at the dinner table and said, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm not happy anymore. And I was 18 years old. And just because I had grown to the point where I was out of the house, didn't mean that, there, that my father's decision to divorce my mom didn't affect me. It did. And it still affects me today at 45 years old. And I'm sure it will affect me for the rest of my life. And that can cause anger toward our parents. That can cause us to be filled with sorrow. That can cause us a lot of anxiety. And we begin to think as children, we are the ones, we're the cause. We're responsible for our parents divorcing. Lots of things related to our family and trouble in our family that can cause anger and anxiety in our lives as young people. It may be from our peers. It may be peer pressure. It may be the peer pressure that we face in school to look good, that we are to be all about the outside and not about the inside. It may be the peer pressure that we face from our friends to be athletic or to excel in academics or to date before we're really, really ready for that time in our life or peer pressure to commit sin. And I wish I could tell the younger crowd this morning that once you turn 18, once you graduate from high school or you graduate from college, that peer pressure is over. But I'm here to tell you this morning, that's not the case, sadly. <laughs> that you're still going to face peer pressure to do things and to be like the world, even when you're out on the work in the workplace or you're living in the neighborhood or you're around family or friends that are not Christians, there's going to be peer pressure the rest of our days, but that can cause anxiety in a young person's life. Addictions of all kinds 
can cause certainly anxiety and grief and anger. It can change uh, our personality to some extent. It may be, as a young person, just the uncertainty of knowing the future. And I wish I could tell you again that that goes away at some magical age, but it doesn't. There's always going to be uncertainty from our end about the future. As long as we put our faith and trust in God, though, we know he holds the future in our hands. These are just a few things that I have thought of that could be the source of this kind of anger and grief, sorrow, anxiety that the wise man is addressing here to the younger crowd. Where, where do these things start, though? Where, where does anger start? Where, where does sadness start? Well, it starts in our heart, doesn't it? <laughs> and so that's why the wise man, I believe, says here in verse 10 to the young crowd, remove now in the days of your youth, remove grief and anger from your heart. Trusting God to guard and to guide your heart, even now at this young age, I believe is a key to avoiding the many pitfalls of youth and to enjoying the blessings of being young. I want you to turn to the book of Proverbs for just a moment as we think about the wisdom that is given there. It's not, again, this wisdom I think is, is for all of us, wherever we are in life, but especially directed toward those who are young in age. Proverbs chapter four and verse 20, as the wise man talks to his son, he says, my son, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Give, keep them in the midst of your heart. There again, how important the heart is. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. And so young people, you need to watch what you're putting into your heart. Again, not, not watching your physical diet. I mean, that's a good thing to do. <laughs> but watch, watch what you're putting into your mind. Watch what you're putting into the part of you that truly defines who you are. Watch the thoughts, the words, the images that you are putting into your mind. Even as a young person to have the wisdom of God, Maybe the wisdom that your parents have passed on to you. To be aware of what triggers your emotions. What, what excites you emotionally. And to fill your heart with God. To fill your heart with God's thoughts and, and God's words and God's images. And if you do that, you will find life. And you will find health. That can be very difficult, I realize, for someone who is younger who maybe doesn't have the experience of life yet, to maybe doesn't have, as we say sometimes, the, the best filter <laughs> for all the things that, that bombard us every day from our culture, that we're just bombarded with all kinds of worldly thoughts and all kinds of worldly words and all kinds of worldly images. But we need to develop that filter, and we can with God and using God's Word. I want you to consider the example of Joseph for just a moment as we go back to the book of Genesis in Genesis chapter 39, I think we're, we are all well, well aware, even the very young among us have probably studied the, the life of Joseph in their Bible classes or maybe had their parents sit down at home with them and go through that account. But we remember Joseph, even at a very early age, at the age of 17, was sold by his brothers into Egyptian slavery and he became a slave in Potiphar's house and then he became kind of the manager of Potiphar's house. And you remember how the story goes that one day Mrs. Potiphar and Joseph were there 
uh, in Potiphar's house and there was no one else around and she uh, was a wicked woman and she tried to get Joseph to sin with her sexually and she literally ran, ran away. The passages we just read from 1 Timothy 6 and 2 Timothy 2. When I read those texts, I think about Joseph. Here is a man who, who a young man who literally physically fled that youthful lust. And he's thrown in prison. His, his master, his boss, we might say today, believed the lies of his wife. Notice verse 19 beginning, Genesis 39. Now when his master heard the words of his wife, which he spoke to him saying, this is what your slave did to me, his anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the jail. A little bit later on in his life, just a chapter or so over, in chapter 40, after he has been in jail for some time, you remember the baker and the butler, or the baker and the cupbearer that were also thrown into the prison. And Joseph was able to interpret the dream there. And one of those got out in verse 21. It says that Pharaoh restored the chief cupbearer to his office. Verse 23 says that the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph but forgot him. As a young man, Joseph could have been enraged, and rightfully so, over Potiphar's injustice toward him. He could have just been filled with anger and filled with sadness and filled with anxiety. Hey, I, I, I've, I've done the right thing. I have trusted God. I have made the decision when this temptation was put before me that I'm not going to commit this, this sin and sin against my God. And this is the thanks that I get for that. Joseph could have been sad that the chief cupbearer forgot to show kindness when that man was released from prison and restored back to his former position. But we don't read anything about that in these two passages, these two uh, chapters of Genesis. We don't read that Joseph was angry. We don't read that Joseph was anxious. We don't read that Joseph was filled with sadness. Rather, Joseph chose to do what I believe the wise man is instructing all young people to do in Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 10. That is, he chose to put away grief. He chose to put away anger from his heart. And he chose instead to put God in his heart. Throughout the Joseph account, we read, that the Lord was with Joseph. And I believe that was true because Joseph was with the Lord. Joseph had chosen the Lord above all else. So young folks, if you want to enjoy your youth, first of all, again, you have to remove some things from your life. The wise man says here, remove grief and anger, sorrow and anxiety from your heart. Secondly, the wise man goes on to say back in our text in Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 10 that you need to remove pain from your body. Here again, some different translations give some different words. The King James and New King James Version uses the word evil here, to remove evil from your body. The NIV says to remove troubles from your body. I believe this particular admonition to young people that they need to remove something from their body, evil or pain or trouble, is related to sin. The former grief and anger could be related to sin, could be as a result of your own sin as a young person, but again, it could just be the result of choices that other people in your life have made. When we sin, it certainly causes us inward pain, doesn't it? But it also causes us outward pain. 
When we sin, it definitely attacks and it affects our souls first and foremost, but then sometimes it can attack and affect our bodies as well. We, we somewhat spoke about this in our sermon last week from Psalm 32. I want to go back to the Psalms for just a moment. In Psalm 31, if you open your Bible there very quickly, Psalm 31, again, the words of David at verses 9 and 10, David says here, Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. My eye is wasted away from grief, my soul and my body also, for my life is spent with sorrow and my years with sighing, my strength has failed. Why? why? Why is David's body experiencing all of these things? Because of my iniquity and my body has wasted away. The passage that we cited and, and thought about last week from Psalm 32 verses 3 and 4 again, just to quickly bring that to our memory. David writes here, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was drained away as with the fever heat of summer. And then over in Psalm 38, a similar thought. Once again, a Psalm of David, Psalm 38 and verse one. O Lord, rebuke me not in your wrath and chasten me not in your burning anger. For your arrows have sunk deep into me and your hand has pressed down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. Listen, because of sin, David is saying to us repeatedly through the Psalms that it was not only his soul that was attacked, it was not only his soul that was affected, but he says, my body suffered greatly. His body weakened or his sin rather weakened his health. His sin, as it were, was just eating away at his body. His sin was draining him, as we spoke of from Psalm 32 last Sunday morning. It was draining him of all of his energy, of all of his strength, of all his vitality. And young people, that's what it can do to you as well. Just because you look at yourself physically, your physical body, and you say, hey, I'm healthy. <laughs> you know, I work out several days a week. I run. I eat healthy, uh, whatever it is. My, my physical body is in good shape. That's great. But David is here to tell you, even as a young person, that sin can make your body waste away. While any sin can certainly affect our body, there are some sins that cause great bodily pain. As the wise man is encouraging young people here in Ecclesiastes 11.10 to put pain away. From your body. There are some sins that any of us in any stage in our life can commit, but especially as we're directing our thoughts this morning to the younger crowd, there are just some sins that cause great bodily harm. It may be illicit drugs that you think are going to be good for your body, that you know, you're going to experience pleasure, you're going to be on some high. And that's the lie that Satan will tell all of us, but especially our younger folks that, yeah, if you're dealing with, as we just talked about the previous uh, phrase here in, in chapter 11 and verse 10, if, if there is anger and grief in your heart, if there's anxiety in your life, if you're sad, you just need to take some, some of these drugs and you'll be feeling better in no time. And that's the picture that, paints, that Satan paints for all of us, but especially the, the younger crowd and I'm here to tell you this morning, that is a lie. Because he doesn't tell you about all the negative 
side effects, side effects after you come down off that high and you begin to be addicted to this particular drug, maybe for the rest of your life and as badly as you want to overcome that addiction, it's going to be very, very difficult, if not impossible. And drinking alcohol can cause great pain to your body. And if you start down that road as a young person, you may not have the wisdom to see where this is going to lead, but fortunately, because our God is our creator, he's given us wisdom in his word. Passages like Proverbs 23 is just a great description of the one who pursues alcohol and just wakes up, goes to bed one night and wakes up the next morning saying, when can I seek another drink? He, he is caught in that web and it can do lots of damage to your body. To the younger crowd, sinful sexual activity. Sex is a blessing from God. It is a gift that God has given to us. And maybe I'll address some of these issues in particular at a later time. But it is a blessing. It is a gift that God has given to a man and a woman who have entered into the relationship of covenant marriage for that man and that woman to enjoy and only them and only in that relationship. But our culture is so... Uh, sex-saturated and sex-focused that it just seems like everywhere, especially as a young person, everywhere we turn, we don't have to go looking for that as was true in days past. No, that particular sin and temptation comes looking for us many times. And we can innocently be on our phone or on our, our tablet or just walking around the streets or going to Walmart. <laughs> and those kinds of sexual thoughts and words and images can be being put into our minds as young people. And there's a lot of wisdom in the Proverbs about that. And we may address that at some time, Proverbs 5 and Proverbs 7, that it looks so good, so appealing, so pleasurable on the front end, but it takes our life on the back end. It may be uncontrolled anger that because you are just a very angry person and you can't seem to get that anger out of your life as a young person, that it begins to cause some physical problems for you. It may be jealousy of what someone else has or you don't have. It may be bitterness in your heart or hatred or just on and on the list can go of sins that can affect us, not just in our soul, but in our bodies as well. And that is so because God made us as people in his image. <laughs> everything I believe is connected to everything else. I want you to consider very quickly the example of Daniel. I know these are examples you have probably thought about, even those of you who are young before. But in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, the Bible tells us there that Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. And so he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Notice as that uh, test goes on for 10 days at verse 15 that the text says to us there, at the end of 10 days, their appearance, Daniel and his three friends, seemed better and they were fat, fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. While Daniel surely was still a teen, he was a young man who made up his mind, the Bible says, that he was not going to defile himself with the sinful pleasures of his environment or his culture. I don't know all the ins and outs of of uh, what this food and, and wine was. I mean, there's been lots of, of comments and speculation about all of that. That's not my purpose this morning. Whatever it was, Daniel knew if he partook of this that the king wanted him to partake of, he would defile himself in some way before his God. 
And so looking at it from a worldly standpoint, yeah, if you, if you want to come out in good shape at the end of 10 days, you need to follow the king's instructions to a T. But Daniel and his three friends said, no, we're going to trust God. And verse 15, I think, is so important for us to get that because they trusted God, their bodies, not just their souls, were not defiled, but their bodies were not defiled. And their bodies, in fact, were healthy. And they were in better shape physically than their peers. Because he trusted in God, because he made the decision that he was not going to defile himself with the things that were readily accepted and promoted and encouraged in his culture, his body and those of his three friends were healthy and strong. Young folks, if you want to enjoy being young, you need to learn to remove pain from your body. And why is all of this so important? Why, why is it important that, that those who are young now at this point in their life remove grief and anger from their heart, put away pain from their body? The wise man also gives us the answer to that question at the end of verse 10. He says, because childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. I know, I remember being where you are. If you're a teenager, if you're in your early 20s, I remember those days in my life. And I remember people telling me what I'm about to tell you and just dismissing that. So you may do the same thing this morning. But young folks, contrary to what you think, you will not be young forever. I mean, if you live here, live out your 70 or 80 days or whatever it is, 80 years or whatever it is that you live on earth, if you live past the point of being considered a young person, you're not going to be young forever. Life goes by a lot faster than you think it will go by. And again, I remember being in that age. I, I was, think I was 11 years old when I got my first job as, as a paper boy delivering newspapers. And I had a downtown route in the city where I grew up and remember going into law offices, doctor's offices, banks, all kinds of things. And I would talk to a lot of my customers and uh, talking to one of them, I don't know, this guy probably at that point was in his 50s or 60s, which increasingly is not that old. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was 11, 12, 13 years old listening to him and him telling me, yeah, you're, you're not going to be young forever. That there's going to be a point in your life where, where you will be a middle-aged person and then an older person. And I remember filing that away in my brain and thinking, yeah, I know that intellectually. But it, it, it doesn't hit you until it hits you. Life goes by much faster than you think, young folks. And you don't have to take my word for that. If you doubt that particular truth, I want you to listen to two of God's spokesmen. First of all, listen to David, King David, back in Psalm 39. Psalm 39 at verses 4 and 5. David wrote these words, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the extent of my days. Let me know how transient I am. Behold, I have made my breath, my days as hand, you have made my days as hand breaths. And my lifetime is nothing in your sight. Surely every man in his best is a mere breath. Maybe this Psalm better than Psalm 32 last week we can relate to right now. <laughs> if you go out early in the morning and it's still cold, a lot of these mornings recently, and you just take a breath and you see that breath appear in the air and then before you know it, it is gone. And that's what David, by inspiration of God, is telling us about life. 
It doesn't matter if you're 10 or 12 or 14 or 16 or 18 or 25 years old right now sitting here this morning that that is what our life is like. Over in Psalm 90, as we listen to the wisdom of Moses, Psalm 90 and verse 10, Moses writes here, as for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years, yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone and we fly away. You don't have to take my word for it. Those that have walked before all of us say to us, Life is very short. You're not going to be young forever. And because the days of youth are so short, you as a young person need to ask God what Moses asked of him in Psalm 90 and verse 12, where Moses says, so teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. You as a young person, if you're going to rejoice responsibly in your youth, if you're really going to enjoy the days of your youth as much as God wants you to enjoy them, you have got to be pleading and begging with God every day for Him to teach you to number your days so that at the end of your days you can present to Him a heart not of foolishness, not a heart of anger, not a heart of grief, not a heart of sorrow, not a heart of pain and anxiety, but so you can present to him a heart of wisdom. Though you young folks may think otherwise, the, the dark days of old age and death are rapidly approaching. I know at this point in your life that it seems like it takes forever for summer break to get here and maybe summer seems like it lasts forever. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you that won't always be the case. So the admonition to those who are young is this. Enjoy your childhood. Enjoy the days of young adulthood. And we will maybe speak in a future lesson about what it means to rejoice really there in verse 9. God wants you to enjoy this time in your life. But enjoy your childhood. Enjoy the days of young adulthood and enjoy them by rejoicing in God, not rejoicing in some sinful pleasure that is passing as we read about in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 that Moses came to the reality that sin is just a passing pleasure. Don't rejoice in all of the things that the culture offers you, but rejoice in God now. Remove sin and sorrow from your life now. Get on the right track now as a young person and remember Ecclesiastes 12 and verse one, remember your creator in the days of your youth by joyfully and loyally doing his will. And if you will do those things, the world will say, well, you, don't, you just missed it all <laughs> as a young person. You missed the time to sow your wild oats and, and oats and to have fun. And that's what the world will probably say, but God will be saying, you really learned how to rejoice. You really learned how to use the days of your youth to draw close to me and to be who I've called you to be. What about you this morning? It doesn't matter what age you are. You may, in fact, be a young person in this audience here today. And maybe you know enough of what you need to do, as Brent spoke to us in the nine o'clock session, how you need to respond to God's grace and mercy and love and kindness that he is offering all of us through his son, Jesus Christ. You know that you need to turn away from your sins, even as a young person. You need to ask the Lord, as the psalmist asked, to not remember the sins of your youth anymore.
And it may be this morning that you need to come and confess that you truly believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah of God who He claimed to be. And having done that, to be buried with Christ in the waters of baptism, to have all of your sins washed away so that you can make a clean and fresh start with God. You can have that clean heart that David longed for. Whatever age you are here this morning, whether you're a young person or an older person, it doesn't matter if you're 80 or 90 years old and you haven't yet done that. If you're still drawing breath this morning, this is the time to do it. Because you're not promised another day either. Whatever your condition might be. Maybe you're just struggling as a young person. It may very well be that you're, you're trying to do the right thing and trying to live a life that is pleasing to God. You're trying to rejoice in the days of your youth and remove all these things that God doesn't want to be in your life because He knows they're bad for you. But you are just really struggling with that and you can't do it alone. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you can't do it alone. You need the help and the prayers, the encouragement of your brothers and sisters in Christ to live like God wants you to live. Whatever your need might be, if we can help you in some way this morning, if you find yourself needing to respond to the invitation of our gracious Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, won't you do that now as we stand and as we sing? I am all